0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. My name is Clayton Croker coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, we've got Justin Anderson to my left who is in full Jay's gear and like four beers deep already today. Three. For well, you, it'd probably feel like four. Now he's spilling all over himself, too. you sure it's three or not four because he just spills all over crazy.
1: yourself. Coors Light foams up. I thought true, but Coors Light.
0: That's okay. Water with foam liquid in the radio studio it doesn't really matter whatever there's no uh, electronics on are self. in here or anything just uh just myself. No, joining us via Skype we got uh, Patrick Marsh how's it going buddy? It's going great.
2: I wish I could be there to see Justin's sloppiness after, what, three Coors? It's
1: just embarrassing, bro. Really. Oh it's just Christ. embarrassing. I had three pints before I got here. It's a little different than a can of Coors.
0: I gave you a super cool intro to go- try to give you some street cred here. Like, oh, he's having beers. He's wearing Jay's gear, Justin Anderson. And then he proceed- proceeds to...
1: Spilled literally all over himself. Maybe Did you shake the beer before you handed it to me? Because yours didn't fall I out. tossed it to you, though. That's on oh. you. That's a rookie mistake.
0: If I toss it to you, you should know that it's probably going to be a little shaken. Well, I mean...
1: That's like four minutes ago. Yeah, and that's
0: on you though. You got to know it's at least ten have, minutes, have flicked especially it. with Coors Light. I should
1: have flicked it a few times. Still. With
0: a lighter beer, it's gonna foam up faster. But that's with right. a more denser beer, it won't as much. It won't as much. Fun fact of the day: <laughs> alcohol. Uh, by the way, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Make sure you give us a follow at BFMd Podcast. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, iTunes, TuneIn, and all that stuff. Uh, today's episode brought to you by Cheap Sunglasses. Cheap Sunglasses way better than expensive sunglasses. I don't know about you guys, but I've lost like four pairs of $200 sunglasses. Two are at the bottom of Shell Lake in Saskatchewan. Like a week after I bought them, they just float down to the bottom. I say this because our radio station, Cruise FM, we just got a new shipment of sunglasses. And those things are the best. They yeah. look like Oakley's. And you can just lose them or leave them around, whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. They're like a buck and they look great. So
1: I kind of thought you were referencing uh, ZZ Top. Oh, that too. But I've never owned a pair of sunglasses because... Terrible eyesight and, and prescription sunglasses like 800 bucks. Never so. owned
0: a pair of sunglasses, jeez. I had, hey, he's I had, I had clip-ons when he's, I was like he's... Eight.
2: I wear hats. L- I let guess. me make my joke. Okay, hey Clayton, he's got bad eyesight. That explains why he's an umpire.
0: <laughs> yeah, got him. Oh, boys, you're not making this easy today. If lay, I had a beer, if I
1: heard that joke, I'd be an alcoholic. <laughs>
0: that doesn't make any sense Last says <laughs> he's yeah, covered in a It doesn't make any sense i guess both of you guys have glasses hey patrick you're not a big sunglasses guy either
2: i i actually will wear sunglasses the issue is that when i take my glasses off i can't see like i see life but it's like a very fuzzy version uh but that being said if i have to choose between my aviators and looking cool or being able to see across the street I'm taking cool, <laughs> ten out of ten times. Coward,
0: coward! You gotta, you gotta make some sacrifices, guys. To look cool, it's all about image nowadays, guys. Yeah, it's all about image. How is this podcast gonna be successful if we're out here looking like a bunch of nerds? You, know
1: you can be anyone on online, and we proceed to be anybody online.
0: That sounded really creepy, by the way. Can I just say, we, you, can you can be, be anyone online. online. That, uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah. That, that you can song. be anyone. <laughs> That's gonna be. Chris like Hansen's already movie. driving
2: down to the studio. Yeah,
0: that is like, just it's just the delivery there. The you can be anyone what online, for, whatever. Just uh, get, off, get, off, get off my back. Guys. Nightmare fuel. let some baseball. Uh, on today's episode, we're gonna talk about uh, the week that was with Blue Jay baseball. Uh, a little bit of a. Uh, Socrates burrito recap for you. T Oscar is uh, gone. Thomas Pannone is gone. A lot of other stuff. We got a fun little what if situation for you. Uh, we'll talk about who's hot, who's not, as well too. Um, do you guys want to nerd out about Game of Thrones for a bit? Well, I just hang out and scroll through Twitter. Or I don't want to talk about. Oh Game yeah. Of I get bitter.
2: We're coming up. We're coming up on the last episode of the original Game of Thrones. And let me tell you. This last season has been the biggest shit biscuit you've ever seen. I can't believe how bad, look at what they've done. They have massacred my favorite show with these garbage episodes. I don't understand what they're doing Justin, are you as upset as I am about this? Like, some of these episodes have been
1: dog shit. Okay, before I ask you, before I reply to your question, have you read the books, Patrick?
2: Uh, I've read part of the first book, and then I threw that shit away, because I was like, I'll read these after that, the show is done. Yeah, see, but I know everything that happens in every book, okay. so.
1: Well, the, the big problem is for me is I, I read the books before the show ever caught up to the books. So for the first like five or six seasons of the show, whatever it was, I had the spoilers. I knew it was going to happen, like the major events. Obviously, like like Harry Potter, they deviate from book events hundred percent. But I had the I had the Cole's notes. I had the cheat sheet. I knew it was coming. Now it just seems like these these writers have run out of books to base the show off of, and obviously these guys were really good at adapting novels to TV. But once they run out of source material and have to make it up on their own to get to the end. Like, the author of the books told the guys how how his books are going to end. And whether or not they've done the show the way he's going to get there is a completely different story. I feel like they've just kind of uh, thrown some some words in a hat and drawn, like, their, their storyboarding was done just by random. And I feel like there was no plan. Everything they did for the first six seasons of the show has been thrown out in the last two seasons, and it's been atrocious.
0: Just as long as you guys... Aren't the type of people to sign that petition to get them to rewrite (laughs) the season and redo it? Just as long as you guys haven't sunk to that level, I don't care. Talk about Game of Thrones all you want, nerd out all you want. But if people, like, if you sign that petition and you're like, we're going to make a difference, we won't stand for this, frig off. My
1: buddy sent me the petition yesterday. So
0: stupid. Like, just accept it. You can't just change (laughs) everything you don't like. You can't just be like, oh, I don't
1: like this. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Online petition. This is
0: bullshit. Screw off. Sometimes life sucks. Sometimes life isn't the way you want it. And you just move on. You can't. Yeah, just...
1: Buddy sent me the petition yesterday on Facebook and said what you think, and I said waste of time. Oh, I hate that. So just... you, people can have their opinions, but nothing's going to change. Why bother? Exactly. Like it's... Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. Everybody has and one. They all stink. You
0: really so... stole Patrick Slender there. Really, just yeah. swooping
1: in and if, stealing it. What?
0: I'm giving.
2: I'm giving Justin like he's getting a wide berth from me this week. Wow. <laughs> I don't.
1: I feel bad for him
2: because the, I came out swinging. Uh, last week or the week before. I can't remember from which Maple episode Ace it was. Jokes?
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: you were coming in hot Jeez. that day. Oof. That was like the vulture from Brooklyn Nine-Nine there. You just really swooped, swooped in. in. Justin the, did all the work the there, and you swooped in and just took the punchline from him. Um, let's talk about uh, the Jays, shall we? Uh, we got another bullpen day by the looks of it coming up. Wonderful. Another
1: Tampa Bay Rays day. Our last win was a bullpen day. Yeah,
0: so do you think that maybe we should adopt this a little bit more? Considering that our starting pitching hasn't been great, even Strowman's starting to struggling a bit right now. Um, But, like, do you consider maybe mixing in one of these bullpen days once a week and kind of making it part of our repertoire at all, Patrick? Or do you think that this is just kind of a a do, like, we need to do this kind of thing?
2: Uh, I think every game from now on should just be a bullpen day because the only pitchers that we have (laughs) that aren't sucking shit right now are in our bullpen. So, yeah, bullpen every day. (laughs) <laughs> Why wouldn't we? I mean,
1: since the Thomas Pannone hype train has been rerouted to Buffalo for a while, um, the only pitcher that we have in our bullpen who I'm concerned about... Actually, there's two. Ryan Tapera and Derek Law, who both pitched, have both pitched <laughs> terribly. Um, if we can just avoid those two guys... Hell, we can let Elvis Luciano throw three innings every day, and I'd be perfectly okay with it at this point. Three innings? We're not going to win. What's the point? Yeah, I know, but... Tank. Still,
0: let's at least let's make tank. it a little bit more entertaining. Tank for Zion. We're not going to tank. Why <laughs> tank in baseball? The draft is such a crap shoot yeah, anyway. Like,
1: yeah. the worst
0: idea to tank That's in baseball. Why,
1: uh, baseball teams who don't build a competitive roster just don't make sense to me, because getting somebody in the draft at number one has no guarantee.
0: It just seems like these bullpen days are kind of a novelty. I mean, I know it's kind of worked for the Rays a little bit. I don't bit, think but
1: it's a novelty anymore.
0: I know, but... I just I'm a little bit more of an old school guy. Yeah, I mean, in desperation they work great and they give your starting rotation a little bit of a break as well, but I don't think it's feasible for the rest of the year because also, I mean, I know our bullpen's playing above expectations, but we still don't have that good of a bullpen. No. I mean, again, it's playing beyond expectations. That doesn't mean we're good. If it, if
2: you look at stats, if you look at the stats, clean, we actually have a I would say like middle range so like we would have like a top 15 bullpen and that's probably the only thing we have going yeah, for us but, right now
0: looking so looking at the stats if we're i middle, would say
1: only 10 teams make the playoffs and
0: if we're middle of the pack and we're overperforming, that's not good that means we're <laughs> like bottom 25 for a bullpen now we're, we're in the middle of the pack and we're wow, overperforming. We it's like oh man yeah. like i just i don't trust our bullpen enough to do that when Oof. the rays did it they had a great bullpen yeah. So it was like, okay, that that, that works. You know, we got uh, we got a pretty iffy bullpen. So I don't know.
1: But... also aren't, We also are 29th in the majors in batting average. So yeah, we yeah. are bad at hitting the baseball. One of the reasons why was because of
0: Socrates Brito, but he's gone. R. i P. I'll let you guys. He's go in Buffalo on. though. Well, he's gone. Let's face it, he's not coming back. He yeah. had his chance. He's not.
1: I don't think we'll ever see him in a Jays uniform. He would have again. to bat seven fifty in Triple A. Yeah. over the course of a full season to get another shot at the Blue Jays.
0: Patrick, do you think we've seen the last of Socrates?
1: Like, as a
0: person, or like, yes, yeah. Is Socrates Burrito going to be murdered tonight? Yes. Uh, God, I hope not. That's horrific. Yeah. Um,
2: I would say, like, as far as a baseball player goes, we can't predict what types of injuries are going to come our way in the next, you know, however many months are left of this fucking dreadful, disastrous, disgusting season. It's only May, so. yeah, I know. It's, it's a long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think we might see Socrates Brito again, even if he is like our ninth outfielder, because frankly, I think anybody who's not Randall Gritchuk or um, Randall God, Grichuk. I don't even know who else. Everybody <laughs> else is probably going to get traded. <laughs> oh, my God. Where's uh, Anthony Alford? He's... Why the fuck is Anthony Alford not getting called up? Why do we call up a shortstop well, and devote an outfielder?
1: Um, Anthony Alford is batting below 200 right now, so that's why he's not with the Blue Jays. <laughs>
0: Oh my God! Yeah, he was a little underwhelming. I remember, like before, he had a great what was, spring. What was that story before, like right before the season? They were like, "Man, Anthony Elford looks like a like physically looks like, like a an ball MVP, M- MVP type player, well, like a ball player." I knew he was jinxed at that moment. The
1: big problem is him and Teoscar both had those crazy springs, and Teoscar has yeah. also gone to Buffalo yeah, now, gone. and Urania is back, which, I mean, I guess Brandon Drury is our fourth outfielder now.
0: I guess so. Yeah. Which isn't he bad.
1: Because yeah. who do we have left on the roster? We've got Grichuk, McKinney, and who else is our outfield?
0: Are you guys worried about our <laughs> outfield situation? Just like recapping the guys that we have, so, it's like, oh man.
1: When's Lourdes Gurriel gonna get back to play outfield for us?
0: Yeah, but he's he still got to figure it out a little bit. He had a hot start in AAA, but I haven't really heard too much from Free him. Free
1: BGO. Yeah, but Bigio's BGO.
0: not playing in the outfield, though.
1: Yeah, he is. No, he plays playing right. in second he base. Plays, plays right field as well as second base and first base and third base.
0: It, wouldn't he be more of a major league second baseman instead of a major league outfielder, though?
1: To get his bat in the lineup, though, we've got Eric Sogard who's playing well. We've got Brandon Drury, who plays second base. We've got Richard Urania, who plays second base. He- if this
2: was MLB the show, I would be like, "Fuck position players. Let's just put our nine best hitters on the field, and who cares how they field?"
1: Let's put Link Maley in the bullpen because he's a great well, he's a great relief pitcher. Oh
2: god. There's nothing like what. What are we gonna do? Lose a game? Okay. Well, we're already losing, so why don't we just put our nine best got, hitters?
0: Still got to be competitive though. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't be. You, oh, if you're Charlie Montoya, you can't just be that. You can't just be like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just see what happens. You know, like he's getting paid a lot Competitive of money, like though.
2: Pittsburgh Pirates competitive, or competitive like Baltimore Orioles are mathematically eliminated from baseball in March. It's kind still, of competitive. It's still
0: Major League Baseball, though. You're still expected to show. Like, they don't uh, want to get blown out or lose. The Orioles are the
2: the lowest you can get while still generously <laughs> referring to them as Major League Baseball. It is like it's a pure shit show in Baltimore right now. They need like five to ten years to rebuild that team. And that's just to get. That's just to refill the prospect pool. We're not even talking about actually fielding a competitive team.
0: They're screwed. Man. Watch Baltimore win the World Series next year. Yeah, if watch. that happens, I will eat my just, left foot. Just watch. I kind of want Biggio to stay in the infield, so our future infield is like stacked. still at third. Back. But Vladi, at third, Bobuchet at short, Biggio second, Rowdy first. That'd be a sweet infield to have with Danny Jansen at catcher. Who still needs to step yes. it up, by the way? But I think that's a pretty sweet outfield. I'm, I'm all for I'm all for keeping Biggio in the infield.
1: Yeah, the problem is, is that without moving somebody to the outfield, our outfield is terribly weak. Our that's pros- the thing. That's the, the, pro- the best outfield prospects we have are Anthony Alford and probably Forrest Wall, yeah. who is still in Double A, um, and so, playing reasonably well. But the big the big thing is, is how stacked we are at middle infield. Somebody's got to move positions or move teams to bring in outfield depth so i mean obviously you want to use as much homegrown talent as you can because you have those years of control um you've brought them up you've drafted them you've taken the time to develop them and biggio is a great defender he's very versatile he plays second base he plays third base he plays first base he can play the corner outfield so i mean putting him in right field where brandon dre will be starting tonight who is a similar type of player who can play second base who can play third base who can play shortstop who can play the outfield those are kind of the same guys, and I mean, show's hitting like 340 in Triple A right now with a great on-base percentage and power numbers, and Brennan Jury is hitting 207 with a very low on-base percentage and very low power numbers. But it's probably going to take Biggio like a month to get going at the
0: Major League level. He's probably going to slump. If slumps in his first month, The big difference between is going to be slumping his first Vladdy month.
1: Vladdy and Biggio is that Biggio had that full spring training. He wasn't shut down for four weeks. I guess so, yeah. And he's been playing in cold weather in Buffalo and playing well in cold weather. There's a big difference between playing in cold weather and playing in a roofed-dome stadium and then going on the road to warm weather. Um, I don't know. I feel like Bigio is more uh, apt to perform reasonably well off his debut. I mean, we've seen lots of prospects come up this year who aren't ranked in number one in baseball who have performed pretty well because the expectations aren't so high. I mean, we've seen Vladdy the last week hit like 280 or something um, since he's been moving up to the number two spot which we all thought he should have been to begin with. So, I mean, I think Biggio is one of those guys who could come in and be reasonably effective I don't think he quickly. would be effective right now. I don't know.
0: I I don't think he would. I think if we were calling up any of one of our hot shots, I think Bo Bichette would be the most ready.
1: Yeah, and he's Got a broken hand.
0: I know, but I mean, like, he's still. I think he would still be the most ready. I just don't think Bichio's ready. I like. Three Nate Pearson. Next year, he's gonna be on our team, Come on, Bichio, for sure. Yeah. But I just don't think he's ready yet. I think we. I, I don't want to rush him. Again, what's the point of bringing him up right now? Oh, we gotta boost our batting average. Our we're screwed. Okay, we're screwed. Let's not bring him up. We still. I. I just like the idea of just being like, hey, what? Let's just save our guys. Let them play in Double A and get used to that, and then develop. I don't yeah. know. I think I think bringing up Bgio right now would be a little bit of a mistake.
2: Yeah, maybe wait till September. You might be right. It would, yeah, I think. But just not for nothing. But uh, Forrest Wall right now is his slash line in Double A is three five, five, which is he's obviously not a power hitter, but it, he no. uh, has stolen five bases and he's got twenty one walks, which means that he actually is developing a good eye. Now the the downside is that with double A ball, you're not seeing a lot of break pitches. Mm. It's mostly fastballs, so like he's not really seeing anything that's remotely close to MLB level. So I would like to see Forrest Wall get promoted now rather than later, uh, just so we can see how he does against break pitches. Because we yeah we are desperate for outfield help. Like we need
1: it now. The MLB draft is in a couple of weeks at the start of June and in my opinion the Blue Jays take either the best player available at their pick, which I think is eleventh or twelfth, a starting pitcher, preferably a left hander, or an outfielder. Whoever's the best out of those two positions available. And that's they don't need any more middle infield depth. We've got too much of that already. No, oh, yeah,
0: they're not obviously not going to take one of there again. We got Jordan Groshans who's killing it in like single A right now too. Yeah. He's far away. He's still like
1: two years. No,
0: well, yeah, two, three years we at least but yeah, yeah maybe we trade him for some outfield help. I think we should. Mm. We got like looking at our outfield, man.
1: We were just talking about it, our outfield's garbage. First round draft picks are tough to get, too, tough to move on right away, cause especially guys who are playing well. Who Groshans is quickly like jumping over people, even though he's low in the organization right now. He's jumping over people in the future depth chart. Like he's jumped past. I think he's jumped past Kevin Smith, who has been struggling mightily in Double A, um, and Kevin Vicuna and Logan Warmuth. He's jumped past a lot of guys that he's behind in terms of the level. Um, but I think he's passed them in terms of organizational value. But there's a first-round draft pick. We've got
0: to trade someone, though. Uh,
1: I, I think the guys who are closer to the show are guys who are more likely to get somebody back who is also closer to the show. We don't want to trade a first-round draft pick from last year who's maybe two years away mm-hmm. for an outfielder who's two years away. We want to trade somebody for an outfielder who may be ready next year.
0: Yeah, again, that's true. I, I would if rather you, have if that, If you get obviously.
1: a double-A or a triple-A outfielder yeah. who is ranked pretty highly on team's top 30 or wherever, mm-hmm. wherever they are, um, that's probably a better get. Than a guy who's two or three years away you want somebody who is going to be already like vladi is 20 bo is 19 or 20 or something the two so those guys kevan is 24 already um because he went to college so i mean lots of those guys are already like entering in those years of like learning so you want to get somebody who's going to come in and fit that age group so that when they all turn 25 26 27 like the houston astros did a couple years ago they can win the world series so you want to bring somebody who fits in that window. You don't want to bring in somebody who is 19, like Groshans, and just out of high school.
0: I had a good response, but you hogged all the time, so Sorry. I think we have to move on. <laughs> no, that's fine. Just the Justin show today. That's cool. Oh, let's move on. Don't worry. It's the Patrick show. So. Yeah, no, that's fine. No, cool. Whatever. Uh, let's talk about pitching. Um yeah. Marcus Stroman's mad, but I'm happy that he's mad. Yeah, me too. If you're a player who gets uh, like happy that he gets taken out of the game, screw yourself. I think that's that it, Mark or um, Patrick. Do you just think this is an instance where everything Marcus Stroman does since he's kind of under a microscope is going to make people upset.
2: It's that, but honestly, in this instance, like I get why he's upset that he got yanked. Um, I'm starting to fall into the camp of like not being very impressed with Charlie Montoya's bench management. Or at least utilization of his players. Like, he's got his insistence.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's got nobody to use. Like, who's he going to throw out there? Mike Trout? No. He's got freaking Brandon no, Drury on the bench. The problem was trotting
2: out Alan Hansen and Socrates Brito when they should have been immediately sent to AAA. Is that Charlie like Montoyo's fault, sense. though?
1: Is that him, or is that the GM?
2: Well, he's responsible for the lineup card. So no matter what... Whatever lineup he trots out there, that's his.
1: But there's not much the, better the options than the lineup
2: Johnson card. Hansen. Can you see Moneyball?
1: Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, if the general manager tells you that you have to play Alan Hansen and Socrates Brito, or you lose your job, or something else worse, like you have to go manage a AAA again, then you're going to, have to, you're going to play those guys. I mean, the, the organization wanted to see what those guys were made of, and that's why they were playing them. We all know we weren't going to win this season. If we mm-hmm. were the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, Alan Hanson and Socrates Brito never would have been brought in. But we're the Toronto Blue Jays in 2019, and we're not going to win 70 games, so why not play these guys who could potentially be something? Alan Hansen and Socrates Brito both have great minor league numbers. Why not give them a shot? And they got their shot, and they both failed, so now they're both gone. But I don't think that's Charlie Montoya's fault. He doesn't make the trades. He doesn't have the players assigned to his twenty-five man roster by himself. He gets those guys are put there. He's got to play them. You don't want guys to sit on the bench.
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: Right. I mean, it sucks for us as fans to watch, but the reality of baseball is, is that if you don't give guys a chance to play, and maybe hit hit the ball a few times, they'll never do it. Yeah, I mean that's it's frustrating. That's fair. I understand. I mean, I'm with you. I think it sucks that we had to watch those guys play for as long as we did. And now they're both in AAA, thank God. Mm-hmm. And hopefully not back ever unless they hit four hundred. But yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't I still I, I I like Charlie Montoyo. I haven't it's tough to make judgments on forty five big league games. Yeah, exactly. Like we saw Gibby fail to manage a bullpen for maybe five years. And yeah, he but was he like, was drunk all the time. But he was a guy who had twenty years of managerial experience, or whatever the hell it is—ten years of experience as a manager, or and as a big league coach. Whereas Montaño, this is his first crack at the big leagues, is as more than a bench coach. So I just hope we don't give up on him early. We won't. I hope it's not just like, a, oh, three years, he didn't perform well,
0: you're well, gone. No, maybe three years. I but... don't know. Get, I think it, I, I like the. As much as the Cincinnati Bengals struggled in the playoffs, I always liked how they kept Marvin Lewis. Yeah. I know that Marvin Lewis might not have been their guy, and I'm not saying that Marvin Lewis is the best coach. He deserved (laughs) to stay there. He was not great at times. But I respected the fact that the Bengals were like, if we're going to have any sort of success here, we need some continuity on the team. We need our leader to always be the voice of the team, and his job will never be in doubt. He's going to be the leader. Everyone listen to this guy. I always liked how the Bengals did that. I... Probably would have done it with a different guy than mm. Marvin Lewis. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Still was great in the regular season, but sucked in the playoffs. Um, but I, I I like the fact of, I think we got a good guy with Charlie Montoyo here. I think the guys love him. He's a little weird when it comes to like passion, you know, like getting kicked out of the game and stuff like that, arguing balls and strikes. It's weird seeing him get angry because he's such like a nice guy. Like post-game interviews, he's always so happy. And when he gets angry, yeah. it's like, oh, okay. But I'd like, I like to see him there. I liked his reaction with Marcus Stroman as well. I liked how he was like, I'm glad he got mad. Like, he should have been mad. That's awesome. He could have called Marcus Stroman out and threw him under the bus, but instead he's like, no, I'm going to support
1: my guy. So, Yeah, good for him. He should be mad. I mean... It's like when you can see a goalie get pulled out of a hockey game, and sometimes they look that they're just happy to get out of there. Like mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want to see that. I want to yeah. see a guy who, your manager comes out, and you don't want to have him the ball.
0: <laughs> okay, now it's time for a new little segment. This is Patrick's brainchild. Uh, it's called "What If." Patrick is going to ask us like a hypothetical question, kind of like one of those "Would You Rather" questions that you play with your buddies, you talk about on road trips. Would you rather do this or this? It's like a made-up situation that we're just going to talk about and. We're basically going to play make-believe for a bit. So, Patrick, what's the uh, hypothetical scenario today?
2: Well, the hypothetical scenario that I was thinking about this week was like the future of MLB and whether or not they can expand into Mexico because they were talking about doing that, and Mexico obviously has large enough cities to do it. And then I started to think, like, is it feasible that MLB could expand into Canada? So that's the topic this week. What if mlb expanded into canada so i had a few questions that i kind of prepared with the idea of like i'll just kind of ask you guys and you guys can kind of duke it out or agree with each other or whatever but think about the question like what if mlb actually expanded into canada so what canadian cities could actually support an mlb franchise obviously the toronto blue jays still exist which is great for us since we're blue jays fans um but are there any other cities out there that could actually do it goose so I'm gonna bay throw to you guys
0: goose bay newfoundland <laughs> goose bay they could easily have one uh, moncton obviously uh swift current like that. uh duncan bc clearly um Iqaluit. Huge baseball community up there in a Iqaluit. Shout out to all our listeners in a Iqaluit. I know there are a bunch of them. But seriously, probably Vancouver. Probably Calgary. Calgary's tough. Uh, I don't think Cal- Calgary can even get a new hockey rink. That's true, but Calgary's a little bit of a diverse town, though. They're a little bit like a mini kind of... They're turning into a little bit of a mini Toronto with
1: a bunch of different cultures and stuff moving there. And then maybe they, they rally behind it, you know? The problem I see is the Canadian dollar. I mean... Without getting too financial, I think Vancouver, like market size-wise, is probably the next best thing outside of Toronto. No, no uh, disrespect to Montreal, I just don't think that they are ready for a, for a Major League Baseball team again. Um, financially, Vancouver makes a lot of sense because there's a ton of business there. A lot of companies have corporate offices in that area. There's a lot of trading ports, that kind of thing. There's a lot of money that comes in out of Vancouver, a lot of rich people, because obviously the living expenses are so high. So people there can afford Vancouver for the most part. I just think with the... Because players are paid on US dollar salaries. So yeah. based on the fact that the Canadian dollar is like, what, like a dollar thirty Canadian to make a US dollar, maybe even less than that right now, or maybe more than that Canadian, it's tough for, for a new ball team, let alone the Jays, who are owned by a massive media company to It would have to take a, like a substantial either salary or a fortune of an owner or ownership group to open up a second MLB franchise, whether it be a relocation or an expansion. If it's relocation, maybe it might be a little easier because some existing infrastructure would come in, obviously, like AAA affiliates and that kind of thing, um, and some staff, that sort of thing. Like, if, say, Tampa Bay moves to Vancouver, maybe that's easier than opening up an expansion team. But expansion teams are tough. I mean, building a new stadium, the Nat only has a 6,500 capacity for Vancouver Canadians games, so it's tough to base baseball fandom off 6,500 capacity. I mean, I, I would love to go there someday, and I think that they, they support that team very well because they sell it almost every game, if not every game. It's just tough for me to say that there is a Canadian city right now that could support one. If there is one, it's Vancouver, though, just based on market size, proximity, like climate, I guess, is a, good, a big thing. Uh, it rains a lot, but they could always build a roof on their stadium. I mm-hmm. mean,
0: I think Calgary would be okay because I think a lot of people from Edmonton and Saskatchewan and a lot of people, because a lot of people love the Jays out here in the prairies. A There's lot 80, of people love the Jays. 81 J's. home
1: games a year, though. Like, I know, but a lot, of,
0: a lot of people love, not just love the Jays, but a lot of people love baseball here in the prairies. And instead of having to plan a huge trip to Toronto mm-hmm. to go see their team, They could just drive to Calgary for the weekend and go see him. So, I mean, yeah, like, Calgary alone might not be able to support it, but all that surrounding area. People in Western Canada don't mind driving five hours for, like, a day trip or for a couple-day trip.
1: What do you think, though, like, using, like, football as an example, say the Bombers, the Riders, obviously fans travel from far and wide in in Saskatchewan and Manitoba to go watch football games, but there's nine home games a year in the regular season. And... People will drive on a weekend to go watch football. Mm-hmm. A Tuesday night yeah. baseball game. Those would in, be the tough ones. In, in Calgary or in, in Regina of all places. Would people drive two and a half hours from Edmonton or from Saskatoon to go watch a ball game no. on a Tuesday night?
0: I think for weekend series it would be okay. But I think, again, during the during the week it would be a tough sell. Yeah. It'd be a real tough sell. It's
1: different from places like a Boston or a, a Los Angeles where there's 50 million people in, in the Los Angeles mm-hmm. area that – Could theoretically take an hour or two-hour train ride at most to go to Dodger Stadium, Mm -hmm. or if you're in the Bronx or Brooklyn or Queens, it's a short ferry ride, or short drive, or short bus, short subway. The infrastructure infrastructure in Vancouver and like Toronto has a subway, Montreal has a subway. Those two cities are built for moving people around cheaply and and quickly. Whereas a place like Vancouver doesn't have that yet. They have they have a train, but. It's still not as efficient as as underground. I mean, Calgary does. Calgary has a C train, but it's not. It wouldn't be set up. They'd have to build a ballpark somewhere close to the train, and that would be tough just based on their real estate and space available. I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, and, and think of it this way too: you've got a country of people who have rooted for the Jays exclusively since the Expos left for like 15 years ago. Say you were, say say everyone in Canada for the Jays. Just hypothetically, that's like 35 million fans. And as previously mentioned, a city like New York or a city like L.A. has more people than the country of Canada to draw from. And we have a country that spans between three oceans. It's not just a small geographical area.
2: Let's pull it back just a little bit. Um, With regards to Vancouver, we didn't get a chance to really talk about this as a viable city. But as far as, like, their interest in baseball, since the year 2007 attendance increased for the Vancouver Canadians from about 3,400 a game to 6,300 in 2017. And then it went down by uh, a whole 11 fans in 2018. So they had a 0.2% decrease, which is like nothing negligible. It's like, could be like a family moved away or something like that. That's the difference. But like, that's how popular rookie league ball is in Vancouver right now. Is that a rookie, a, a rookie league ball club, and one that's fairly good and has seen a little bit of success uh, in recent years, is still able to pull in sixty three hundred fans. That's rookie ball, and like no disrespect to the Nat, obviously like it couldn't mm-hmm. host. <laughs> I couldn't host like an MLB-sized club, but it's clear that baseball is a very deeply rooted uh, sport in Vancouver. If you go back to the 30s and 40s, tens of thousands of Japanese Canadians were playing uh, amateur and semi-pro ball uh, before the Second World War and the internment camps and everything like that. There's actually a great little documentary you can watch about the Asahi Tigers. And this was a group that played in Vancouver. And they were a great little amateur ball club uh, that were together right up until internment happened. And I think they eventually did come back after internment. But uh, obviously, like, their best years were in the 30s and 40s. But if we look at MLB attendance and what it looks like in other stadiums, There are over 10 teams right now that don't have an attendance above 20,000. So hypothetically speaking, do we think that there are cities in Canada that could put 20,000 bums in seats 81 times a year for a baseball club? And I don't think it's that far-fetched, especially considering how ravenous – Canada is for its sports, the way that they consume the CFL and the way they consume uh, the NHL. I mean, even in the smallest market in Canada, which is Winnipeg, there hasn't been a lot of seats available since the Jets moved back to or since the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg in what was it like 2011 or 2012 or something like that?
1: The is yeah, like I can't,
2: I can't remember the year, but but just let me finish my thought here is like they are able to pull in the like maximum capacity of that arena every friggin' night, plus or minus you know the twenty people who don't show up. They're right. perpetual sellouts. And right now, uh, the Miami Marlins have an attendance of nine thousand three hundred sixty. Now, there's like twenty NHL teams that pull in more people than that.
1: Not the Florida Panthers.
2: And they, and, <laughs> and, well, I mean, you know, maybe not, not the New York Islanders either, but I mean, fairness to them, they're also trying to deal with their own crisis as far as where they're actually going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that being said, like, the average attendance of, of, of those bottom 10 teams is still like 16,000, 17,000 people. So even right after uh, Miami or Tampa Bay, another Florida team, they only have fourteen thousand five hundred and forty. So like, as far as attendance goes, if you look at it, it's not like there are a shitload of teams that are, you know, pulling in forty thousand a night. There's only two teams right now that have had a uh, attendance over forty thousand this year, and it's the Dodgers and the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of teams that are pulling in thirty thousand a night. Uh, And then you've got teams that are perpetually popular like the Mets and the Braves and the Texans and even the Nationals who have gone through their own identity crisis this year. But like if you look at like the home attendance of like even the Blue Jays, it's under 20,000 Minnesota under 20,000 Oakland in that dump the Coliseum as Clayton put it under 20,000 White Sox with that newer stadium under 20,000. So like. I think we have to kind of reframe the question. Do we think that there is enough interest in baseball in Canada for more than two cities or two teams to exist? What do you guys think?
1: The big problem is, will a team win? I mean, we've seen it before. When teams win, their fans come out. The Twins have been bad for a while. The White Sox have been bad for a while. The Marlins have been bad forever. Since they won the World Series, when was like oh three or something like that. Mm -hmm. They've been bad for yeah. yeah, They've been bad for sixteen seasons. Um, Teams like the Cardinals have been great for a long time. The Dodgers have been great for a long time because they can buy teams. They have the fan support. They have money coming in. My concern. I'd love to see a second Canadian team, but my concern is what happens after after three years in that sort of honeymoon phase, um, sort of runs out, where people. Who went to the went to the games because they didn't have an option before? The team is winning 60 games a year, and they just don't want to go there and watch a stinker anymore. I don't want to like the Saskatchewan Rush are a good example for me. Like they, the first couple years that they were here in Saskatoon in lacrosse, you couldn't buy a ticket at the day of the game. They were sold out, and now I've been to the game. I went to a few games this season, and it wasn't sold out anymore. And they've been here for three years. They've won two championships since they've been here, and yet they're not selling out anymore. It's just there's there's a certain novelty to sports that wears out. Yeah, you, you always have like the 50% of your fans are going to be the diehards who are going to come out all the time. But if you have a stadium that seats, say, 60,000 and say thirty, say you have 60,000 people who are interested and 50% of them are going to come out to 75% of the games, that still leaves you well below 30,000 attendance, well below 50, 50% for, for the whole season. And uh, uh, over a long term, that's just not sustainable. I think the big problem we're seeing is that there are a bunch of teams in baseball right now, more than half of the teams in baseball who just don't want to compete because they know they can't this season, so why even try? And the problem with expanding for MLB right now is that what if your expansion team, yeah, they they try for a few years, what happens if they fail and they have wasted all their resources trying to compete for three years and they have nothing left? Then what happens?
2: Well, I mean, obviously any group that is interested in bringing a team to Canada is going to have to understand that, yeah, you're going to have a honeymoon period for the Mm -hmm. first three years, but after that, you know, by that time you have to spend three years preparing to build a contender. I think if, if, and I don't want to see this happen, but in the event that, say, Miami or Tampa Bay has to relocate, I do think that Canada is a viable option just because this country is fairly baseball starved and not everybody uh, who's a fan of baseball in Canada is necessarily going to cling to the Jays. Right. If, you know, there's a second option, I know that like in Canada the Expos were extremely popular. Mm-hmm. The problem was that in the city of Montreal, the stadium, the Big O, was just it was in a bad spot. It was run down. It needed a massive facelift. It wasn't going to get it. Ownership was really cheap, and that's why they got relocated. And they were better off for it. Ultimately, the the, the Nationals now are a better team because they moved. It. Do, I mean, that doesn't make it not sad or anything like that. But there, if you took a team like Tampa or Miami and moved them up north. There's already enough infrastructure there that those teams could be successful, not necessarily in the long term. But I could see Tampa Bay being competitive in three to five years, as opposed to other teams that are going to blow through uh, their prime players sooner than later. Like Boston, Boston are are prepared to compete now, but in a couple years, some of those contracts are not going to look so hot. I know, like. Chris Sale had a rough start to the year, but, like... He's been like if of, Yeah, he's been great ever since, but the thing is, like, he's not getting any younger. David Price isn't getting any younger. You know, they're this is their time to compete. But, like, Tampa, I think, are still, like, their trade for Chris Archer brought them Tyler Glassnow, who has been great, and Austin Meadows, who's going to be a star in the outfield. It's just a matter of time, if he's not already. But, like... Let me reframe it for you guys cuz I was thinking about this too. With the recent and future success of the Blue Jays, do we think that compared to 20 to 2015, which was a period of like massive growth of baseball in Canada, like are we going to see more and more, especially if the Jays continue to be more successful? Like is it inevitable that we're going to see a return like another team in Canada, or is it so far off now that it's more likely we're going to expand to Mexico before anything else?
0: I don't think we'll expand here. We're too spread out. We're too spread out, and the Jays are already Canada's team. It's hard to convert Jays fans to something else. It'd be nice if you could. It would be tough. But again, we just don't have, like, other than Vancouver, we don't have another place that has so many people that it's a guarantee that they're going to get, like, 20 25,000 I mean, people in the there's game.
1: There's only 2.5 million people in the greater Vancouver area Exactly five to six, whatever it is in the Toronto area. Mm, and
0: Calgary has 1 million people like that's It's, Edmonton's it's tough, same, you know? Yeah. So like it's, we're too spread out. That's the, that's the main problem. We're way too spread yeah. out. We don't have an area like where it's like Philadelphia, New York and Boston, that whole area there where there's so many people, so much going on. Canada's too spread out. I don't think it would work. I, I think and the West having Coast one team, team would be tough too. Cause yeah. I
1: mean, if you have games at 7 PM Pacific time, that's what time times at 11 PM for you, Patrick, 12 p.m yep. 12 a.m for you like it's it's a four-hour time difference between the east coast and even eastern time is a three-hour time difference so 10 10 p.m on a weeknight nobody's gonna stay up to watch a vancouver say they're called the canadians mlb game it's at 10 p.m it's like when the jays go out west to oakland we love it out here where we are because it's at 8 p.m our time and you can watch a couple of innings of baseball before you go to bed versus getting home at five from work and, and being an inning late already um there's a big difference between East Coast and the, the TV ratings and stuff are still like East Coast still has the most population anywhere in, in North America, the East and Central areas, so it's it's tough to say like Vancouver would be like the best fit, but it's not a good fit at this point. Um, it would be great to see a second baseball team in Canada. There's BC as a baseball hotbed. Obviously the little leagues teams are usually from BC from that. We sent to the League world series. Um, and we sent some great ball players like Morneau and Dempster have come from out there. So it's Brett Laurie too. Brett Laurie too. Yeah. So it's tough. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough to say like it wouldn't work, but the, the pros and cons, the cons outweigh the pros of a second baseball team currently. And it may stay that way for maybe our lifetime. But we'll see what happens.
0: Okay, let's let's move on. Because yeah. this is never going to happen. We're never going to get another baseball team <laughs> after seeing what happened with the Expos. It's never going to happen. Like, the Expos crumbled their last three to four yeah. years. There's like 3,000 people bad. going to those games. Oh. Like, really bad, man. Yeah, but I, you know, I also don't like the excuse of, oh, the building was in a bad place. If you're a true fan, that doesn't really matter. If you're a true sports city, that doesn't really matter. Oh, the building's kind of out of the way. Oh, my God. Oh, no. That's the what a travesty. Piece. the The building's inconvenient for you? Oh, my God. You have a pro sports team in your city i die for that. Yeah. We got the rush, and I'm still a huge fan. Like, have a pro baseball team in your city and I have the audacity of going, oh, the building's kind of out in the way for my commute. Don't go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, Off
2: the roof, man. There was literally pieces of the roof, like falling down, crashing into the stands when fans weren't there. A lot of people would have been scared by that. And not only that, if you look at it, there are a lot of teams that suffer from poor attendance in even the NHL because of parking and where the stadiums are located. A perfect example of that is uh Arizona, the coyotes. They actually have a a rising team, but they still can't get the attendance fixed because their stadium is in Glendale and nobody goes to Glendale.
0: I hate that excuse though. I hate that excuse. excuse. I'm just saying like No, I'm not I'm not getting mad at you, I'm getting mad at the fan bases that use that excuse. Oh, our building's too far away. You're a real fan, man. You're a real fan. Like here in Saskatchewan people drive two and a half hours to, to go to rider game. games.
1: Two and a half hours. They drive as far as the as the game is long. Yeah.
0: You can't make a <laughs> twenty minute out of your way kind of drive. I hate that excuse from people. Oh the building's out of the way. Screw off. It's not out of the way. It's still pretty close to you. Like maybe town. that's just a prairie kind of thing though, because we're used to driving so far. But I hate that excuse. oh the building's kind of inconvenient. And oakland again perfect oakland's a dump oakland's stadium is i'm surprised it doesn't fall down every single <laughs> game because of the wind but people, the oakland fans still pack that place yeah. not pack but they still have pretty good attendance the willingness to drive though that's like that's not something
2: that's exclusive to the prairies or even on the west coast it's everywhere that's considered the quote hinterland in Canada. So anywhere that's not basically Ontario <laughs> or the, t- the like two densest uh, populated cities in the country, which are Montreal and Toronto, like people will not go places because of traffic in those cities. But like for us, like we're like, yeah, fuck it. A two hour drive to go see like an MLB team or a, a, a big concert or something like that. Of course, we're going to make that drive. There are people who, who will take, massive drives from Cape Breton to Halifax to go see these Memorial cup games that are going to be launching this week. And that's like a six hour drive. Now, granted the Eagles aren't playing, but still like there's a thirst for sport all across this country. And I think I, I do think it's possible, but I do kind of agree with Justin and that we're still several years away from seeing either Montreal or Vancouver, be ready because it's going to cost a fucking fortune to build a brand new stadium to be able to do that. And they're already, you know, putting a lot of burden on taxpayers when it comes to trying to pay for hockey stadiums. So the idea of telling them, yeah, we want to build a $300 or $300 million MLB stadium. um, And we're going to get the taxpayers to pay for part of it. They're going to be like, fuck no, we're not doing that. So, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not even worth talking about, but... Well, we just spent 25 minutes
0: talking about it, so...
2: (laughs) I know, but it's important that we do kind of have these kinds of exercises, because I think baseball is big in this country, and it's big enough for us to have two teams. It's just whether or not it's financially viable for a city like Vancouver or a city like Montreal, who's been burned before (laughs) by Major League Baseball, to bring in a franchise...
0: Would you ever cheer for another team other than the Jays, though? Let's say you Vancouver know. gets the team. Yeah, so that's no. the thing. I don't think you're going to convert too many Jays fans, especially after that three-year run they had. Not
1: enough of us yeah. to convert. But that being said, like, I've
2: been a lifelong Jays fan, but that being said, my father uh, was a Montreal Expos fan. He talked about, when I was a kid, like, he would talk about, like, Gary Carter, and he would, like, show me, like, Pedro when he was pitching and, like, Vladdy Sr. and stuff like that, like – I think there are a lot of people like my dad who were fans of the Expos. And, you know, when the Expos left, he had nothing else to cheer for. He was heartbroken in a sense. And, you know, now he and my mother, they cheer for the Jays because the Expos are gone. But I, I don't think it's too far gone that you could see, like, if they brought the Expos back, for example, I think my dad would cheer on the Expos before he continues to cheer on the Jays and that's fine because like he grew up cheering for the Expos so like I get it that he would want to switch teams and I think that's possible like you could that that's viable in Canada I would think maybe
0: yeah uh, again huge huge baby huge maybe Let's get into some baseball again. Real baseball. Uh, real quickly here. Who's hot, who's not? We're going to end the show with this. Uh, three batters that you guys think have been playing well, or two, or one, because basically no one has been playing well when it comes to our batting average. We're like 29th in batting average in the league right now or something like that. We're bad at hitting, Ugh. is basically what we're saying. Um, Justin,
1: three batters. Who do you have your eye on? Who's been pretty good for the Jays? Uh, well, Galvis has been good again the last week. Uh, Vladdy has totally turned it around. And I've liked as much as Justin Smoke has not got a hit in the last week, he's not striking out, he's still getting on base, he hasn't had bad at bats. I it's it's frustrating, and I mean it, we we've talked about it. We we see guys all the time who just get a little bit unlucky, and guys who get lucky like Mark Burley as a pitcher always got lucky, by in terms of using his defense, whereas Justin Smoke right now is getting unlucky at the plate. He's putting the ball in play, he's walking, he'll break out of it pretty soon. So Smokey, Vladdy, and Galvis were my three.
0: Patrick, do you have anyone different on your list? Uh, Trent Thornton. Let's talk about Trent Thornton going
1: two for three. Hey.
2: I remember before the game started or like in the first inning or something like that, it was before Trent Thornton had an at-bat. Hazel May was talking about how she interviewed uh, Thornton before the game. And he said that he was like an okay hitter or something like that because he actually had hitting experience when he was going to college in uh in the united states so when he went he went two for three uh with no k's and then two runs and his uh the only out there was uh a pretty decently like hard hit ball to the second baseman and he did actually like hustle it out which was impressive but like it's kind of cool to see stuff like that because it's someone you wouldn't expect to get a hit at all, and he ended up getting two in a game. But if I'm being serious, I think credit should go to Randall Gritcha because he actually did uh, get on base a little bit more than his average uh, this week. Uh, he, he drew four or he drew – am I looking at the right thing? Yes. He drew three walks, which is better than zero or one or two <laughs> because that's how numbers work but he also
0: had two home runs so that's not bad. When it comes to bad guys, who do uh, who do you guys have the who do you guys think had the worst week for the Jays? Danny Jansen's been struggling. Danny Jansen's bad. He's a rookie though. I'm letting it slide for this year cuz he's a rookie. But um, this is we thought he was going to be better than this.
1: Yeah, I mean, Brendan Drury hasn't been great. Uh
2: Jonathan Davis is not immune from criticism. He went true. 0 for 14 with 5 strikeouts.
1: Yeah. He didn't get on base once. Um, that that be that be the guys that I would pick on this week for sure.
2: He's gonna get he's gonna get sent right back down to AAA. Maybe this is it. Maybe Jonathan Davis goes down and Guriel comes back up Perhaps. and goes into the outfield.
0: Yeah. It's... Who are some other guys that are struggling though? Like Justin Smoke's been pretty bad. 0 for 14. That eight, again, eight walks. walks. He's though. got walks though. Again, that's a thing. But yeah, that's that's a little iffy. Jonathan he's Davis has been chicken. struggling.
2: I think Smoke has just expanded his zone, and that's why he's getting a lot of fly-outs and ground-outs because he's he's so desperate to try to get, get something going offensively that he's willing to take risks. If he didn't, he would have drawn way more walks, <laughs> but he still wouldn't have gotten a hit. So, I mean, like, someone who can get on... Like, getting on base is way more important than getting hits. Um, so, like, Justin's right. Like, we shouldn't really cracked Smokey too hard for not getting a hit this week, but someone like Jonathan Davis, who didn't get on base at all, definitely deserves the criticism. Like we need to be talking more about why we have so many AAA ball players playing on this team this year. Like what happened to this team that it just bottomed out when it came to outfielders. Um, like oh, Oscar
0: Hernandez. I was it, gonna like, say fucked. I was gonna say, does T. Oscar getting called down kind of give a wake up call to these guys, do you think? Like do you think they smarten up after seeing T. Oscar gets called down or no?
2: No, because T. Oscar Hernandez's problems are his own. He's he's not like a symptom, like he's not like a side effect of something going wrong, unless you wanted to argue that the, the hitting coach is the problem but Teoscar Hernandez has been a strikeout machine since he's become an everyday or close to an everyday J and it hasn't gotten any better. So going down to triple A means he can work on his mechanics a bit. I'm surprised again. I don't understand why Urania came up and why they didn't bring up an outfielder, but maybe it's just cause like Alford's not hitting that well and maybe Guriel's not ready to play in the outfield yet. I don't know. I'm just our outfield is so fucking bad. This is the <laughs> worst it's been that I can remember.
0: Uh, let's talk about pitchers then. When it comes to pitchers who are playing well, Justin, who do you have your eye on? Two guys. Uh, For
1: me, Biagini and Mesa.
0: Yeah, Joe Biagini has really redeemed
1: himself this season. We, we talked about it uh, preseason that we all thought putting him in bullpen full-time would help him sort out his issues, and we've seen it so far. He's had a couple of bad games, but... Uh, by and large, he's been very effective. And Tim Meza, outside of the first like two weeks of the season, has looked really well. Looked mm-hmm. really good as a lefty of the pen.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, I like Strowman. Strowman's, has,
1: yeah. Strowman's been pitching great. It's just. He has got no wins. He's, what, was he one in six? One in six, and you take out even for Aaron Sanchez. You take out that that five inning. He gave up the two home runs in the one inning against the White Sox. And he had eleven strikeouts in that game. You, you took out that one inning, and he looked really good. Mm-hmm. He had one bad inning, and I mean, yeah. But Stroman, like you said, has been pretty good too.
0: Yeah, uh, Patrick, the two pitchers you got your eye on, are they different from ours or? No, no. Tim, if
2: you look at the numbers, Tim Meza and Joe Biagini have very similar numbers as far as their ERAs being only a little bit above 3 and uh their strikeout ratios are 1 or higher. Mesa has more strikeouts than genie does. Um if it wasn't for the like two or three bad games at the start of the year that Mesa had, if you looked at like his last like 60 appearances, his ERA would be well under like 2. It's yeah. just like he's a very very good reliever, very effective and I'm kinda of glad that something is going right for Joe Biagina because I'm tired of ragging on him. So I don't know. Let's see let's see if they can keep the momentum up in the next week.
0: What did you guys think of Aaron Sanchez's start? He did strike out eleven batters but gave up just that one in two home runs and five earned runs. That's that's the thing Man. about Sanchez, he always
1: has that one bad inning. I was I watched that game and the first three innings, I was like, Man, Aaron Sanchez looks really good. Like he was mowing down batters. He was pumped on the mound like he was yelling that he'd struck out the side the one inning and he was pumped and then he comes out in that i think it was like the fourth or the fifth and just had nothing he mm-hmm. just couldn't get the ball down he just lost his release point for for an inning and credit to montoyo for not letting it not pulling him like he it's like it was, he was just missing some spots i mean good for aaron for like sticking around he didn't walk a ton of guys that that game which was a big thing for him um and again lots of ground ball singles getting through for him, I think for Aaron, that's a good. Even though he had that one inning, he can look at that start as a good thing to build off of, in terms of um, his his uh, stuff just being overpowering, mm-hmm. and more of that would be great to see.
0: Anyone else um, on your shit list, Patrick, for when it comes to pitching?
2: Uh, I mean, we already talked about to parent law, but I, I want to propose a hypothetical, a small hypothetical, before we wrap up the episode. What do you guys think about running an opener and then putting in Sanchez? Because he seems to have really struggled once he gets to the fifth or sixth inning. But if we ran an opener for the first inning or two, that means Sanchez can come into the game, pitch for, like, solid innings, not get gassed, not have to worry about, like, running out of steam or losing his inability to keep the ball down. Imagine, like, running an opener, like having Sammy G., do like two innings and then bringing in Sanchez for four and then bringing in the bullpen like it's got to be better than leaving Sanchez out to give up two bombs a game because i don't care how many strikeouts he gets in a start if you're giving up two home runs your team is going to be in a lot of trouble you can't give up two home runs in a game and and expect to win them especially if you're giving up other hits or walks
0: Mm-hmm. agreed true
1: so,
2: I would, I would trade all 11 of those strikeouts to get rid of like one of those home runs because that like that could represent one or more runs. I don't care how many people he mows down. If he loses his functionality after four innings, he shouldn't be in the ball game after four innings.
0: Just uh, so, what do you guys think? Yeah, opener. I, I think so. I think that's a good. I think that's a good idea. Got a little bit unconventional, but why again, not? why not? Again, that's the theme of the season. What do we have to lose? Why not? Who
1: cares? hundred ball games. Uh,
0: again, just our offense this week. We're hitting one eighty one. That's yeah. and, and we struck out forty three times. We had seventeen RBIs. God, we're bad. Um, and then our ERA for the week wasn't even great. It was right around four. That's actually really good.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you can. A major ball team should be able to score four runs a ball game. Yeah, right. But so if you're, if you're pitching staff is holding people below four and a half it's runs a game, three point nine eight. Well. But even below four and a half, I think is a great ERA. Yeah,
0: I'd like to see it around three point five. Three point five. Wouldn't that was always all. the number. That was always the number when we play. You got to keep your ERA under three point five. Wouldn't we
1: love that? <laughs> yeah,
0: obviously, but yeah. The whip is yeah one point three five two. That's too. great too. It's not bad not bad it's not great uh that's it that's all for this episode again thanks for listening twitter instagram facebook follow us comment whatever you do you you know what to do when it comes to social media um again tell your friends itunes spotify tune in stitcher anchor we're all over it um thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week it's uh patrick justin and clayton see you uh like i said three seconds ago next week bye